0: or visit our page at MyFaithWay.org. Now let's experience life in a new way. The Faithway. I want to address you know, some of the stuff that we've been watching. And, and again, this is not the message for that. Um, H.H. is going to come in. We're going to find two Sundays back-to-back where we can do it. Uh, he's going to come in and give us a real good... And this guy knows this. You know, He did it many years ago. And it's funny because... Was talking about, it, he says, "Well, we need to update, <laughs> you know, like computers because, you know, HH has a real unique take on end times events, and I and I really, you know, lean into his perspective a lot. So he'll be dealing with some of that in the next few weeks. So I want you to, you know, make sure you come because we have to address these things. So I want to just briefly touch it, and some things that are very very close to my heart, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get the word. All right, you guys go to that. Look at somebody said, I'm okay with that." All right, could you go Huh? 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 Okay. All right, Luke twenty-one, and Jesus is asked a question, and he also addresses it in Matthew twenty-four. But I just want—I just picked Luke twenty-one. I mean, Luke's perspective of it—it's um, pretty much the same thing. Just you know, a little, I guess, a little easier reading. Other than that, but I am just going to read it straight out of King James. Um, it says, verse eight it says, "Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name saying that I am Christ, and, and as the time draweth near." Go ye not therefore after them. Now pay attention to the next few verses because these are the verses that, you know, we kind of skip through, but we're here. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall be there from heaven. So, Again, this is not the moment to do this, but it is a moment to address it briefly. Because as a believer, you make a choice as a Christian, not a a church brand, as a believer, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we believe in the virgin birth. Amen? That's what a Christian believes, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you have that foundation, then you're going to have to accept this as truth. I'll lose you all at once. You're like, well, I I like, you know, the, the Bible's not Burger King, Okay. You can't have it your way. It's like, oh, just hold that scripture. I don't I don't, I don't want any mustard. You know, don't know. <laughs> the Bible is a word, you know. You don't get to choose and pick. So, you know, n- nothing to fear on us because heaven is our home. Say amen. You know, we believe this stuff, right? But at the same time, we're watching the news and we're watching things happen. And I'm not just talking about what happened in Ukraine. I'm going to address that briefly. It is a, it is a great, it's, it's a bigger picture than that, way bigger picture than that. And that's what H will bring in and, and it'll make perfect sense. But, you look at biblical prophecy from the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, from the Old Testament, especially from the Old Testament, actually, and, and in part of in the book of Revelation, and you really see what people used to say, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that'll probably happen, you know, 10,000 years from now. It's happening right now. Yes, sir? agree with that? I mean, it's there. It's just like you can read the, the, the prophecy, and then you can read the headline news. And that's pretty interesting to me. Amen? Nothing to be fearful of, more than anything, more to encourage you. I encourage you to commit greater to the things of God. Commit greater to your spirituality. Not commit, you know, yes, church is a wonderful thing, but church is not what we're seeking. We're not seeking church attendance. We're not seeking, let's go to church. We're seeking spirit. Are you with me? We're seeking a connection, a download from heaven. And more than ever, you need to be connected. Because things come down the pipe, you know. It's amazing, you know, you know Russia invaded Ukraine, and guess what disappeared from the news? Y'all notice? COVID's gone. There hasn't been a mention of COVID on the news since the invasion. Think about that. So we just moved from these situations, right? And, and it's going to continue to the day of Jesus. But um, my thing to you is just focus. <laughs> you know, focus. When you watch the news, you don't watch it to fill yourself with fear. You should be watching it to see where we're at more than anything. Amen. Now, the other thing I want to address, I brought our, our flag, and for those of you that are newer to the church, if you wonder why we have flags here, it's not for decoration. Every flag on the wall represents something we care for or something we've been heavily involved in. And I've been involved in the nation of Ukraine since 2004. That's 18 years. My heart is devastated. I see those pictures. I saw the, the, you know, the, raid, the, the train station in Kiev. You know, people just trying to get out of the city. I've been on that train platform so many times. You know, many times by myself. Took a train in Kiev, an all-nighter. You know, go to all the way to the other side of the country, to Chernivtsi. You know, there was a, a, a bomb hit a building. And I've been in the parking lot of that building. I mean, you know, 18 years of going to, to a certain place, you get to know it. You know, Kiev is close to my heart. And when you talk about a city, I want you guys to get perspective. I know we're in Hebronville. But imagine San Antonio being attacked. Kiev is a first world city. It's not, oh, Ukraine, you know, third world. No, it's first class city. With first class buildings, first class shopping centers. Diana and H have been there with me. Marcos has been there. You know, looking around the building. Maurice, my son, has been there. You know, and we have a special heart for it. And 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 I want to do something. You know, this is... What's happening is just, you know, from the natural perspective is... You can't put your head around It's insane. But from a spiritual perspective, it makes sense, right? You know, Putin is insane. He, he, he's, I'm not going to say he's the Antichrist. He's not. He is a Antichrist. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> Some facts about Ukraine. Ukraine is the most Christian nation of Europe. The highest population of born-again believers. Why do you think this is going on? Ukraine really, to me, has always been like a center of revival. Europe is a very secular continent. And Ukraine seems to keep the flame alive of the things of the spirit. And it's funny, my wife and I have traveled up that nation up and down, east and west, north and south, Marcos and I and the band. We did concerts, big concerts in the, in the area that, of Lugansk, which is completely controlled by the Russians now, and the Nets been there, did ICFM conferences. Oh my gosh, you know, 18 years of working there is a long time. Sometimes, you know, I haven't been there in a couple of years, but sometimes we'd go every year. And sometimes we go twice here. Remember that age? A couple times I, I had to go twice. And so we've, we've spent a lot of time ministering to these beautiful people. And what is being done is just absolute insanity. So I want you, you know, we're, we're joining with millions and millions of Christians around the world to pray. You know, it's not just our prayers. But we know prayer is effective. And here's where it gets, I don't want to say the gray area. You know, do you pray you know, what do you pray in these circumstances? You know, because you can get confused, well, why did God permit this? Well, I don't know if God permitted it. I mean, it's it's part of the movement of evil. Are you, are you with me? So, so it's really, you've got to be really careful when you pray, to pray the right prayers. And, well, Pastor, what are the right prayers? Well, the prayers that the Holy Spirit gives you. And I know lots, I know you know, I know lots of people in Ukraine. I mean, you know, very, very close, it's, it's a handful. But the ones that are very close, we have good relationships. You know, Some of them stayed in our house. Some of them have come you know, over the years. Others have been interpreters. I've, I've reached out <coughs> to a couple of my friends in Kiev. They haven't responded. <coughs> Sorry, the people in Chernivtsi have responded. But Kiev is where, the, where all the problems are. Chernivtsi, there's no, except for the refugee problem, there's no major problem, excuse me, <coughs> in Chernivtsi other than that. But the, the thing is, you know, um, this is something this church has been involved with. It's, it's part of our family. And like I said, when you see flags here, for those of you that are new, you say, well, what are the flags about? Well, it's a nation that we've, you know, except for Israel. Israel represents our God covenant. But every other flag on the wall is something we've been involved with. In. You know, we've got Cuba. We've got Ireland. We've got the Navajo Nation, you know. And, of course, the Mexican flag. And, you know, those are the th- areas that God has called us to. Amen. And Ukraine is, as you see here, I put it up here, to honor them to stand by them. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand at this point. I want you to pray. I don't want you to listen. You know, you can listen to my prayers, but I want you to pray for something. You want names? I'll give you names. Pray for Andre, Pastor Andre. Pray for Oksana. Pray for Tolik. Pray for Luda. Pray for Sergei. These are, these are people. You'll say, oh, those are just names. No, these are real, living people that their lives are being completely turned upside down by an insane madman. So let's pray. Father, as a point of contact, I stand. With our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and Lord, you know, this nation is dear, dear, dear to our heart. This is not just, we're not just getting into something like, oh, pray for Ukraine. No, no, we're not, we're not getting on some little boat ride with everybody else. This is a real thing for us. And Father, as we lift up the nation of Ukraine, and Father, first and foremost, I want to lift up their president. Father, President Zelensky, and what he is standing for, and, and the courage that he has shown, not only his nation, but the world, to not run away, but to stick it out. And, Father, this is a classic, classic David and Goliath battle. Father, where where in natural terms, there's no way Ukraine can do this. But, Father, they've held their ground somehow. And, Father, we believe there's a supernatural move of God over every believer of that nation. Lord, we know that nation has problems just like every nation. And it has darkness and it has sin. But it also has the greatest population of evangelical Christians of all of Europe. And, Father, for every believer... We join our faith and we join in the spirit that we pray the right prayers. We don't want just a a stop the war prayer. We want the right prayers. That father, in the name of Jesus, every covenant child, every covenant son and daughter that you have in this beautiful nation. Right now, we speak Psalm 91 over Pastor Andre and his family, father, and their beautiful children. In Kiev, And I don't know too much of what's going on with him, Father, but we release first and foremost love towards his family. And, Father, if there's any way that you will lead us to support this, that is fine. But, Father, we lift up his church. We lift up Ludha, Father. And, Father, over the years she's been one of the translators, and, and we've developed a friendship. And I bless her and her family in Kiev. We bless Andre's staff and church members and church families, Father. And a lot of these people that that we've interacted for many, many, many years, Lord, in, in, in this beautiful city that is now being destroyed by Satan himself, Father, in the form of a Putin, we bind him. And, Father, we heard down the news that he's losing his mind. And that wouldn't be the first time that you make a ruler lose his mind. So, Father, we pray. Maybe that's the prayer, church. We pray that you confuse Putin. You confuse his head. Father, you you you'd done it before. You did it to Nimrod. You did it to a lot of them. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we believe that the Russian forces are being confused because their leadership is confused. And they don't know. And there is supernatural activity over all the Ukrainian army. There is supernatural activity over the refugee situation, over the weather situation. Lord, you could use weather to stop this advance. You could use so many things, Father. But right now, we just pray for the body of Christ. We pray for the children that are being moved from their homes. We pray for the adults, Father, that, that have lost, that have, have gone to the army now, and, and wives and children having to leave, husbands having to stay to fight. Father, this is insane. And we pray now, Father, that this comes quickly to an end. That, Father, the glory of Ukraine will be restored, and not just what is going on, but all the way to Crimea, and everything that the Russian army has done. And, Father, I pray, one big prayer, that from this thing, the world will put Putin... And his system where it needs to be. There's many wonderful people in Russia. There's many wonderful churches in Moscow. The Russian people are not our enemies, Lord. We bless them just like we bless the Ukrainian people. But, Father, this morning, in the name of Jesus, I lift Oksana and Tolik also. I lift up Father Dimas and his beautiful family in Chernivtsi and their staff and all those wonderful people that that we've built relationships over all these years, Lord. And, Father, this will pass quickly. And we believe Ukraine will rise to a glory greater than it's ever had. And, Father, we declare glory to Ukraine. Glory to its heroes. Glory to Ukraine. That, Father, Ukraine will rise up again to be sovereign, and, Father, with much more energy and much more international support. And, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That your covenant of protection, Psalm 91 is spoken right now, declared, he who hides in the shadow of the Almighty. Ukraine is hidden in your shadow. The people of Ukraine are hidden in your shadow. And I just believe, Lord, that this week there'll be a turnaround and we release our faith. And I know, Father, some people say, well, what does Hebronville have to do with any of this? Well, I don't know what it has to do, but we have family over there, Lord. And we lift them up and we declare Ukraine wins. Father, if nobody else is helping them, they got you. And that's, that's a majority, and we believe we receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for the victory, and you may be seated. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for being part of that. Again, I know, some of you are like, but, you know, if you're part of Faithway, you're part of that. Because, you know, since 2004, through a guy that was on our board, a wonderful man, he's in heaven today, Dr. Bill Bazanski, and he sowed the seed Ukraine and we went the first time we went to Ukraine, the only thing we went to do was to do youth ministry, We went to do Christian concerts. You know, I, I didn't think I was ever going to go back, and that same year I went, went again in 2004, and then 2005, and then 2006, and 2007, every year, you know, and then twice a couple of times. So we really got heavily involved in, in, in the work there, and of course, COVID hit, and I haven't been back since, but um, you know, we did have plans to be there in June. And guess what? I'm not canceling my plans yet. They're just there. You know, this thing could blow over or things could be open. But nonetheless, I do want you just to pray for those people. I, I release some names. You might not know who they are, but just keep them in your prayers. You know, it is it is just none of us have context of that. Imagine having to leave with whatever you can hold in your hand right now. Ladies, listen to me. With your kids and without your husband. And you gotta go run to the border and try to get across as soon as you can. That's the reality of millions of millions of Ukrainians this morning. Men are not allowed to leave. I mean, and I don't judge that. That's probably the the good move. 18 to 65, I believe, cannot leave the country. Women and children can leave the country. So just think about all that as it's devastating family units, devastating their livelihood. Um, Refugees that have to leave their land, you know, from the east moving to the west, without any, you know, expectation of anything. So there's a lot in there. So when you just watch the TV, you know, you got to really try to. If you, if you want your prayers to be effective, you really try to, have to say, I wonder if I was in that position, how I would pray. And then pray there, because that's a compassion prayer, right? That's a prayer of Jesus. That's a prayer... You know, compassion not, is, Compassion doesn't mean feeling sorry for somebody. Compassion means I'm feeling it with you. Remember that, amen? All right, let's go. Let's get into the Word. <laughs> Praise God. And I, I did invite Oksana and Tolik to... I don't, know if, I don't know if they were able to, Their Internet, everything shot down there, but I'm just going to real quick check. I said, look, we're going to be praying for you guys you can get on there, it'd be great. I was just kind of curious. I I can't get my phones. take too long. But if you're watching us, Oksana, Tolik, Andre, all the ones I reached out, we love you guys. All right. Let's keep going on our teaching. And I want you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We're going to get, you know, into a little bit. And and today's part 4. I thought I was going to finish, but there's no way this is going to get done. So (laughs) we'll see where it goes. Faith for the Now, part 4. And the title of today's message is two things that I've come up to that we're going to work on. It's called Love and surrender. And you're going to see how it all works together. And, you know, I'm giving you the, you know, where we're headed. But I want you to, we're going to pull some things out of this great reading. But as I was preparing this, this study this week, you know, I was thinking about, you know, spiritual attacks, you know, I was thinking, well, because, you know, it says, well, the devil attacks. Yes, he does, you know, and he does things that, you know, you know there's a God, there's a devil, basically. But at the same time, I had this thought, I just realized that, you know, Christians fight more with God than they do with the devil. <laughs> just write that one down, right? That was my aha moment this week. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You know, we, 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 we have a greater battle with God than we do with the devil. And we're going to learn some of those things today of how you can bring yourself in closer harmony and rhythm with the spirit. Because, you know, we've been talking faith of the now. For those that you haven't been following, I highly recommend you get the podcast and every, which way you can get it. But we're talking about living the God life in the present of your life. Because you don't have, you know, you don't live in the future and you don't live in the past. You live here. Everybody say now. That's all you live and That's all you'll ever live in is in the now. But our mind has become very toxic because it always th- goes to places it's not supposed to, right? It's either fear of the future or regrets from the past. And making our lo- making what? Our present completely miserable. But it's all coming from places that we don't live in. So that, that was kind of, you know, we've been three weeks on that theme. So now we're going to get in a little more, you know, nuts and bolts stuff. This is what I want to give you this morning. I want you to walk out with stuff that you can say, okay, I can, I can incorporate this into my life. I get it. I see it now. And I'm, I believe you're, you were here some things this morning that will make you a better person. Trust me. Remember, we're all on this journey together, and it never stops till we get to heaven. We're all in the same process of coming, from going from glory to glory, from, you know, from being renewed, from changing you know, our stinking flesh into being more spiritual. We're all on the same journey. Just because I get the, the desk doesn't make me more spiritual than anybody in the room. I'm saying that so you're comfortable with where we're going. Because I say we, I really mean it. Amen? All right, let's go, to, let's go to Mark chapter 4, and let's just pick up in verse 13. Jesus just gave this parable, and nobody really understood it, and everybody left, and he said, I'm going to explain it to, the, to the, my disciples. They need to understand it. But he makes something very, very important. Same says, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand and grasp the meaning of all parables? So to me, this is like the mother of all parables, right? This is the key of all parables. In other words, if you don't understand this parable, you're going to have a hard time understanding anything else I teach you. That's what Jesus was saying. Because the principle taught in Mark chapter 4 is the foundation of everything that God is doing here on the earth. Think about that. And a parable is simply a parallel. So when I'm teaching, for example, when I'm teaching and you'll say, and then I tell one of my stories of something that happened to me, it's not that I'm having, you know, an ADD moment. It's I'm using a story to parallel what I'm teaching you. That makes sense? That's what Jesus was doing. He would give stories. There was a man. There was a certain man. There was this. And he would tell a story, but he was trying to tell him a, not only a truth, a practical life truth. So he would use a practical life situation to explain a spiritual condition that could affect your natural life. Now you get what a parallel is, right? So once he said this, he begins to explain it. And 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 once you understand that, you'll be able to read the Bible even differently. Because every time Jesus speaks a a story, don't say, well, that's just a story. No, say, how does that apply to my life? All right? Anyway, I won't charge you for all that. That was free. He said to them, if you don't understand this, then you won't understand it. And then he begins, the sower sows the word of God. And if you, if you follow on the, on the screen or in your Bible, it's the Amplified. It says, the good news regarding the way of salvation. These, in the first group, are the ones along the road where the word is sown, but when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these, in the second group, are the ones whom the seed was sown on rocky ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but accept it only superficially. And they have no real root in themselves, so they endure only for a little while. Then, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, if you can underline that, underline because of the word, immediately they are offended and displeased at being associated with me. That's the amplification. And stumble and fall away. Verse 18. And the others are the ones whose seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard of the word. Pay attention now, verse 19. But the worries and cares of the world the distraction of this age with its worldly pleasures and the deceitfulness and the false security and glamour of wealth or fame and the passionate desire for all other things creep in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Okay? So, Jesus is basically telling us how the word of God works. So, the word of God, I'm going I'm to give you, you, know, you know, basic 101. Some of you are like, well, I know that. But, you know, we just can't assume everybody knows it. So, the word of God. It's not just a word, it's, it, it carries every creative power that he carries, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? How did he do it? This is not a trick question. Come on, Christians, you've been here like 50 years. He said, he said. So his word carries everything it needs to do what that word is intended to do. In other words, the word is a seed. Are you all with me? This is real basic stuff. But you have to understand it, because a lot of this is still happening. This is still part of, you know, we're we're trying to develop the faith of the now. And this is really interesting that Jesus brought this up. You know, I'm not trying to change the direction of what he said, but the application of what is the word. Where does the word go? So the other teaching we pull out that is very obvious, especially if you read Mark chapter 4 before the explanation, he's talking about a seed. Everybody say seed. Okay, so everything in this world came from a seed. You agree with that? You don't have to agree with that, but I can prove it. (laughs) Number one, it came from word seed. Right? But then in the natural world, everything comes from seed. You know? Everything, there was somebody planted, and then it grew, and you ate it. And it's kind of cool to think about that if you ate an apple this week, you're connected to the very first apple tree in in Genesis. Right? I mean, think about that. You know, God made an apple tree. And here we are, you know, thousands of years later eating apples because the continuance of that seed. And here's another question. I'm just going to mess with your brain this morning, all right? You can look at an apple tree in full bloom and say, you can, you know, you could, if you've had enough time, you could literally count how many apples are on that tree. You, know, you have to look in there. But can you tell me how many trees are in an apple? See, I told you I was going to mess with your brain. I haven't had coffee, Pastor. Don't even go there right now. Don't even go there. Not eight. It's eight seeds, then it goes on into infinity, right? So, seed, if I could put it this way, the word of God will always be the seed. So, establish that. Anything in your life starts with what did God say? Healing, what did God say? Problems in your marriage, what did God say? Problem with your kids, what did God say? Problem with your wife, what did she say? Uh, come on, man! you all need—y'all don't get it. what she do? Even God doesn't want to mess with that one, you know. Hit home that one, right? Oh my man! <laughs> all right, faith needs good soil. And and here's just a couple of my notes. I guess you can hit the next one, RJ. So you can i yeah, follow me with my notes. Yeah, I'll just read my notes. So let, let, let's break this down. So faith needs good soil. In other words, the word. Needs good soil. Faith comes from the Word, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes from? Come on, y'all. Some of you old Christians, talk to me. Faith comes from? Hearing. hearing. And hearing what? Not cheese mace, The Word of God, all right? Because <laughs> it's funny, but it's going to make perfect sense of why, why your faith seems to be handicapped. Because you're still launching your faith in the future, and you're still contaminating with a bunch of nonsense from the past. So we'll get to that. Faith has to navigate through the maze of human flesh and mental issues before it can nurture our spirit. Do you realize that, right? You hear the word of God. It doesn't. You're, you're, before it can actually produce, it's got to be a deposit into your spirit. So you hear it with your ears. You process it with your mind. And you might make a mental assessment of what you heard. And it might be good, and it might make you feel good, and it might make you feel warm and fuzzy. And that, that's all wonderful. The word does that. But it really has no power yet, other than making you feel good. Nothing to change any circumstances. Because remember, one of the things that we've talked about the last four weeks is you've got to separate yourself that your life is not your life circumstances. And some people live like their life is their life circumstances. No, your life is your life, and your life circumstances are life circumstances. And faith can affect every one of those circumstances, but it has to be deposited in the same place. And that's what Jesus explained to us, okay? Okay. And I'm getting way ahead of myself. So faith needs good soil. Faith has to navigate. I already said that. Faith for the now begins with the measure given. Understood. I'm going to talk briefly about that. Nurtured and harvested. And I just made a reference. I'm not going to read the scripture. If you're taking notes, Romans 12.3 says that God has given everyone a measure of faith. So don't just walk around and say, well, I don't have any faith, pastor. Yes, you do. You have a measure of faith. The measure of faith is not faith. It's the capacity to believe. That's all it is. And, the, and, your, and your inner man's capacity to believe will be affected by whatever is placed in it. In other words, you will believe whatever you hear. Amen? Don't raise your hand, but I know it's happened to some of you, or maybe it hasn't, but before you ever came to this church, I'm sure, you know, is a really awesome place because there's only two kinds of people in Heavenville those that love this church and those that hate this church. And guess what? I love all of them. But, you know, there's a, there was all kinds of crazy, and I'm not going to go through, H always gets to laugh when I tell the stories of all the crazy stuff they would say, you know, about the church, but I know a lot of people, I had one, I can't remember who it was, but years ago, one person came and said, wow, you know, I came to church, and it was so different of what I was told. Really? Yeah, we don't kill chickens, and we don't have an ATM machine. Imagine that. Well, we do eat a lot of chicken, but, like, cooked, you know? Um... Yeah, there's like, oh, they have an ATM machine. They don't let you out unless you. I mean, it's just all oh, this nonsense, right? What happens? You became aware. You believed something because you have the measure. I'm just using that as, an, as a parable, right? You have the measure of faith, which is, gives you the capacity to believe anything you want. The danger of that is the, the, that faith will always work. Even the New Agers have figured that out. And they want to make it like their own little thing, but it's not. God invented this. Because. Whatever comes in through the sense realm, pay attention, this realm right here, the sense realm, will influence your thinking, right? And will, if it's spiritual food, eventually end up in your spirit, but most of the time it's not spiritual food. So we believe things. Again, I have no soapboxes here. I don't want to, oh, I've got to avoid this. Bit. Sometimes I just gotta pull one out. This is a statement about what we believe. You know, we've been sold this lie that the masks, well, thank God, you guys are free. (laughs) Because I'm looking at you beautiful faces with no masks on. Glory to God. Um, The masks. Yeah, the masks have their place. I'm not judging. You know, if if something about me you're going to learn, and H knows that because it's pretty clear, he knows me. I have a real realistic perspective even in the spiritual realm. You know, in, in other words, down to earth, understand. It has, you know, spirit, flesh. I get that. So... As you're looking at this, you tend to believe the wrong things because you hear things. So the power of faith is still there, but then you can can believe the wrong things. Right? If somebody tells you enough time that you're stupid and you're good for nothing and you'll never amount for nothing, parents, listen to me. You've got to be careful what you brand your kids with. That child will, will, will grow up believing all that. Because he has a measure of faith. I don't want to get to so, take too long on the measure of faith, but you got to understand, everyone in this building, everyone watching me online, every one of you has the capacity to believe. And believing always comes the same way. It comes through hearing, and then it comes through saying. Or, in other words, it's applied through saying. And fear and faith work the same way. If people tell you enough stuff to be scared of, You'll be all, you know, wrapped up about the, this, and I can't, I gotta wear, you know. And I, and I respect all that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But it's funny how, because the politics shifted, this is my soapbox moment, to show how ridiculous this is. When a certain party that runs this nation into the ground, I mean, is running this nation into the ground, got a wind that their poll numbers were very, very low, guess what? The CDC decided to say, oh, we don't need a mass settlement. Because it's unpopular now. Doesn't that give you just a sense, warm sense that the government's got your back? <laughs> you can't trust anything anybody says now. So as soon as it became politicized, they said, oh, no. So what I'm saying was that we get fed all kinds of stuff. People are convinced, you know, and, and it can come on both sides. Some, some, there, some people say, oh, masks are good. And some people say masks are wrong. Well, both are wrong. <laughs> There's a place for them. But when I, and I'm not even using the mask thing. I'm just using how faith works. And you go to places, and it's amazing, for example, going into, where was this? I don't know if it was going to Mexico or something, but Mexico was still pretty much, yeah, I guess it was Mexico, it was pretty much locked down. You have to wear a mask everywhere, 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 you know? And, but you see, you really could see the control of what the measure of faith has. Because once you believe it, once you believe that that's going to save you, you're going to put one on. That's fine. But then somebody says, well, one's not enough. Now you've got to have two. So you wrap another one on. And they say, well, two's not enough. And you put three, and then you die of suffocation because you can't breathe. It, you know, faith will turn an action. That's all I'm saying with that, with that silliness. Whatever is fed to us, there will be a corresponding action, right? It can be word of God, or it can be the word of the devil, or it can be the word of politics, or it can be the word of your mom. There will be an action. So the measure, everyone has it. Let's move on. So faith now begins with the measure, giving, understood, nurtured, and harvested. In other words, this, this you've got to protect, if I can say, this is really weird English, but you've got to protect your believer. Does that make sense? You've got to protect that, that one place in your life, in your, in your being, that is created to believe. You've got to protect it. You ask my wife, you know, as you heard, Ukraine is very close to my heart, very, very close. But I've got to turn the news off. I catch up on it, and I don't watch it for the rest of the day. Because it brings tears to my eyes. It hurts me. It makes me angry. It takes me through a whole bunch of emotions that I don't need to go through. Say amen. What am I doing? I'm I'm releasing even faith into the emotional arena. So I got to watch what I feed. So if I don't want to feel all depressed all day, guess what I got to do? This is really deep. Turn the TV off. Versus if I sit and glue myself to the TV for three hours, I will be very depressed. So what I'm saying is faith, that measure has to be understood. If you don't understand that's what I'm trying to work on, you gotta understand that you you're the way you're wired, you believe. And nothing wrong with that. Please don't become unbelievers. You just gotta be careful what stuff is put in your heart. Right? Because you will believe, and believe means you receive. So the measure is grown by the word. And again, I'm not going to put it, but I already quoted Romans 10:17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And when you find, I've said this many times in this church, for the newer ones, in the Greek construction of the language, when you find two words butted up like that, faith comes from hearing, comma, hearing. That doesn't mean twice. From the Greek construct, it means, actually it means a loop. It means a circle. It means it never stops. Isn't that cool? So you could say it this way: Faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It just ne- it never stops. Just so faith comes from hearing God's word, but it has to move into your spirit because if not, it just becomes a mental construct, and there's really no evidence that any of this has happened. So, so you, so I, you know, some of you know these people that know tons of Bible, but their life doesn't reflect any of it. Anybody? I mean, they'll quote chapter and verse. They know a lot. I, I know. I don't, long story. So I, know, I knew a pastor had read the Bible I don't know how many times, and at the end of the day, he went on and did a bunch of stupid things, you know? I'm not talking you now, he didn't commit adultery. He just went stupid, weird on, on his doctrine. Like, way off. Like, you know, Star Wars off. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Michael knows what I'm talking about. This guy was a scholar, he had a Bible school. He had a church of over 800 people, and then he went off on doctrine, and he ended up with 30. Smart guy. But it was all here. And because it was all here, the devil could take very easily mental constructs, twist them a little bit, and make you believe it. And it sounds Christian y. It sounds spiritual. And now you're starting to believe it, but it's a deception. And the end of the, that deception is destruction. I've seen that so many times. So faith has to be nurtured. In other words, the measure has to be nurtured and harvested. So it always comes from the word. Let's go. Now, we're going to get into this. I really need to get moving forward. I'm spending so much time on it. Okay. The two primary issues of spiritual development that I've kind of summarized in this, and I want to talk about both of them this morning, are love and what surrender means. Failing to understand these will keep you from living the fullness of life of faith. You know, because we want to take this, well, Pastor, show me how faith works. Faith works very easily. Faith comes by hearing, goes out of your mouth. That's how it works. <laughs> I'm not going to spend too many hours. But the, the areas of spiritual development, and I'm, I'm going to show you this, because this is really where the Lord has kept me all week. In First John, well, no, no, no. Big up. All right, let's go, the, the ground. Let's talk about the ground first. So, in Mark chapter 4, one of the things that I want to, and I don't want to spend too much time, that you do see is the character. The character of the soil, if I may, even though we understand that the soil is a person. First part of the parable, it's soil. It's a man sowing seeds. Second part of the parable, the seed is the word, and the ground is man. Right? That's the explanation. So once you look at that, you know, you can go back to verse, for example, 17, because he's talking about this word, right? I'm talking about Mark chapter 4, if you want to, in your notes. And they have no real root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble, persecution comes because of the word, they immediately are offended. Okay, we're, 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 just, just leave that there, because now we're seeing something that we've been talking about for three weeks. What is offense anyway? Where is offense? Where is offense in your life? Where did it happen in your life? Every one of those questions is answered in the past. Right? But if we bring offense into the present, guess what? This is not Pastor Box's idea. It's right there. Your faith's not working. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? You say, well, Pastor, I'm doing everything, you know. Okay, and and many times, and when I've done counseling, you know, it's it's not too long before you dig into it and you find out that, yeah, they're doing the mental connection to God. They got that down, they're praying, they're reading their Bible, going to church, tithing, everything. But deep down where it matters, there's a lot of stuff. And that seed that's going to change your life and change your future, because we live in the now, the seed is planted in the now, but what does a farmer do when he plants seed? He's not planting for... To eat breakfast now, he's planting for his future. So, so, so you've got to understand, everything's happening in your present, but you are sowing into the future, right? So the word of God comes, and it gives you that, that expectation, that hope, and everything, and it says, here it is, you know, by the stripes of Jesus you're healed, or, or believe God, you and, your, you, know, you and your household will be saved. Let's say you are believing God for your family to come to Jesus, and you're all on, and then all of a sudden you remember that somebody told you something. Or somebody offended it, and, and it might be valid. They might have done something really hard to you. But my question to you is: It worth the cost to hold on to that? Because the cost of holding on to that offense is very simple. The word doesn't produce. So, you, so now you evaluate these things. I'm going to show you a bunch. So I'm kind of like bumping through them. But if you go back to, hey, just some of them. Okay, verse 15 says Satan comes immediately. That's the truth. Have you ever gotten home and, you, and you, you were like all into the message and you were like, yeah, that was the word of God. And, you, you know, and then you got home and somebody asked you, how is church? And you immediately forgot everything you heard? Anybody? But you didn't forget what happened in La Novela two weeks ago? Because you know what? The devil's not after the novela, all right? He doesn't care you watch all that or whatever Netflix binge you're on now. You know, you remember, oh, let me tell you what happened on the last episode. And, you, and, and they say, what did pastor preach on Sunday? Oh, 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 brain gas, brain gas. I was not going to use the word. I can't remember, I can't remember, I can't remember. Why? Because Satan came, took it. So you hear things when you come to God. You, you can raise your hand on the inside if you want. Or, on. How many of you hear something here, and it's not like a couple days you're challenged in what you heard? Let's say you came, you know, like, like last Sunday, we really... That Sunday was good, right? Oh, the power of God was here. That was like Monday. I was like, oh, that was so good, Jesus. Thank you. I mean, I was so full of God on Sunday. But, you know, God come. You know, we talk about forgiveness. And we talked about how forgiveness is, you know, keeps attached to the past and so forth. And, and you're like, yeah, I, I release everybody. I'm not, I'm not going to be offended anymore. Thank you, Jesus. And you get in your car, and that person you just forgave, it's not even them, but a car that looks like their car, <laughs> went by... And all the jalapeños and pico de gallo and Tabasco, and, and you're like, oh. so what's going on? He's reaching for it, and it's up to you. To say, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I saw a car just like him, because I have already forgiven him in Jesus' name, and the devil did not take it. But he's after every word. He's after this message. That's why you zone out in church. Don't feel bad. I do the same thing. Especially when I, sometimes when I'm preaching, I zone out. That's even worse. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's going to be one of those kind of services. I already feel it. So let's keep going. The ground is your character. Verse 15, well, verse 16 talks about the second group, talks about rocky ground. Is people that receive the word, but accept it superficially. In other words, what does it mean superficially? All you did was a mental assessment of what you heard. Oh, that's a good word. No application. No change of heart. It didn't even... Like, you know, if I talked about forgiveness, you're like, that's a wonderful word, but yeah, I'm not going to forgive those 20 people. You remember what I told you at at the beginning of this message? That Christians fight more with God than with the devil. They really do. God is not that complicated. He's your daddy. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. You know? But he's got to deal with our being nasils all the time, so. I feel bad about like English people that are watching and we use all these Spanish words. That doesn't translate maybe stubborn would be the best one. <laughs> it's a very unique word to South Texas. Anyway. The word must be active in the present and within our character to be effective. That's where we're going now. When when the plant or let me let me ask you this question. If the seed, before I, before I release the question, if the seed is there this is so cool because this is this the Lord blessed me with this, this is what I said, when does the plant grow? Does it make a difference? If you watch it? No. Because guess what? The seed and the soil know what to do. And that is the beauty of what I'm trying to teach you, because once you learn that peace of God, once you learn to rest in a promise, the circumstances don't mean anything. You say, Pastor, that's easy for you. No, it's not easy for me to say. This is what I do every day because we deal with tons of circumstances, but I've decided that my life is not my life's circumstances. So I already made that choice. So now I can navigate in my present with everything that I'm telling you right now because I don't have to, you know, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. That is planted. I believe that. How does it happen? I don't care. As long as in the my knower, if that word has translated all the way to my spirit, then it's a place where it needs to be. Now... Man, this is like we're, we're not even into the meat of this. So, let's deal with these two because my time is going to leave really quick. Uh, there's just two points I want to give you this morning that are so powerful, and hopefully, I can address them to where I need to. First John four eight, and I want to talk about love. Says he who does not love does not know God. Very simple scripture. God is love. Everybody say that God is love. So God is doesn't love in the context that we love. And that's where we get all messed up because we have this very superficial idea of what love is. In the New Testament, there's four definitions for love to begin with. How's that? In English, we have like one word, maybe another word, It kind of, but the word love in the New Testament, you almost have to go back and see which context it was used because it can mean four different things. And the only one we're going to address with is really the love of God, which is agape, which is the love that gives. Okay. But here's the thing. Remember, Mark 4, we're not, we're not done with Mark 4. We're going to keep coming back. Stay there. Let me just make one note here. Verse 19, well, verse 18 and 19, because they go together, it says, And others are the ones whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, pay attention, but the worries and cares. All right? Worries and cares. Just remember that. Where, where are those things located in your life? One's in the past and one's in the future, right? Well, I mean, they're both in the future, worries and cares, I guess. But you could be, you know, in, my point is they're not feeding from where the God is at, the present. Remember that. God always will work in the present. So, the fuel, love, is, is the present and love is the presence. Now, let me, let me read it and then I'll, then I'll explain it. Love is I am. In other words, you can't separate God from love. So when you say, you know, the word God is a very, very general, I don't even really like it. I mean, it's just just a term. It's not his name. It's like if I call you man. (laughs) That's basically it. You know, Abigail, woman. You know, that's God. That's about as cold as it is, you know. It's it's not his name. And for that matter, he doesn't have one name. He has a, a series of names. Because everything about God is trying to describe Him, and it's impossible to describe Him, so they end up with very, you know, with different names, which are wonderful. But my point is, you know, I, I hear things like, you know, I used to say, and I corrected myself on this one. H, you'll like this one. <laughs> I run my family crazy with stuff like this, by the way, because I, I was thinking about this, and I said, God, and I'm like, that is so. And then, and then the other phrase was like, maybe you said something. Well, I found God, and I'm thinking He's never lost. But we use that a lot. How many say, "Well, he found Jesus." Well, Jesus wasn't lost. You were lost. He's always. He knows where He's at. <laughs> well, I think the term God, we 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 reduce it to something so superficial and so I don't know mundane that it becomes just like a saying when it's not. God is everything, essence, presence, all the time, everywhere. When you get that. Guess what? He lives in the now, right? In the present, presence. Don't separate those two words. God is present with his presence. Always in the now. Because that's, that's where it matters, right? Now pay attention. So when you understand this, God, the amazing everything, all being, all encompassed spirit, is love. It's his nature. It's, in other words, he doesn't love. Like you love it. You can turn it on and off. It comes out of him. All right? So if you believe that, then love moved God. I'm taking this really slow because I want you to say, well, Pastor, come on. Where are you going with this? John 3.16. Love moves God. For God so loved the world that he gave. You see it? Love moves God. All right? Where are you going with this? Because this is a big one. You You want to get your faith on high, you're going to have to resolve this one right now. If you don't hear anything else about this message, take this one home. Because another scripture in Galatians, it says faith works by love. All right? In 1 John, it says love casts out fear. Are you all tracking with me? So there are two things that we really need working in our life right now is these things. Faith, that's what we're talking about, the faith of now, the faith to move mountains can only work by love. Okay, so let's define it at a very, 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 very superficial level because I don't want to go deep for you guys. So, okay, God is love. We get that. And when we're separated from Christ, we're separated from love. When you look at people, and, and this is a thing that just... It's so crazy about the world. When God is involved in a person's life, it doesn't matter what church you go to. I'm talking Jehovah, Jesus Christ, whatever brand. But if your relationship is real, you are bringing light to the world. How could some, somebody like Putin do what he's doing, destroying complete families with, with just absolute insanity, if he had God? You see that? You couldn't do that because now you have the nature of love. So all the darkness in the world that you see, all the craziness and all the abuse and all the murders and what the cartels do and all these horrible things that we see all day, that is what love without looks like. In other words, a world without love. Now, a believer has an experience with Christ, the very first thing you encounter is his love. And if you haven't encountered his love this morning, guess what? You will. His presence is in the building. In other words, he's here because we're talking about him. And he's glad to be here. But the experience of that love has to be genuine. It has to be real to the manifestation that you have, at least in your human form, the same capacity to love others like he loved them. And here is where I, this, this is the, the parts that maybe you are not necessarily want to hear, but if we go back to some of the things that we find in Mark chapter 4, a lot of these things... I don't want to that, I don't want I don't know if I want to follow this thought too far. But a lot of these things to me it's a relationship of somebody that has a religion that really desires God but doesn't understand what love is. Why? Because he's sowing, right? The sower at the word. Some rock fell here, some rock fell there, you know, some on the wayside, you know, it eventually gets to good ground. But in verse 19, he says, but the worries and cares of this world, the distractions of this age with its worldly pleasures, the deceitfulness and the false security and glamour of wealth, fame and the passionate desires. Stop. When you are offended, when you are hurt, when something, you know, comes to you that might seem unjust or unfair, your human nature is to become very passionate about that. Right? Somebody does you wrong, come on, you guys are Mexicans. Right? We don't just, you know, talk about it like normal people. That's like a joke, right? I always get, you know, I grew up in Mexico with a Mexican mom. And when I came to the States, you know, there were things that I was completely foreign to the culture because I didn't grow up here. One of the things that I was completely foreign was time out. That in Mexico doesn't exist. Mexico, time out means run. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so when we say, God, I need faith. Watch it. You guys heard this so many times, I'm just giving it to you from a different direction. I need, I'm believing you know, for my business, my family, whatever, my marriage, wherever your faith is going to you know, project into your future, in other words. You're believing now but you're setting yourself up, the demand to love is going to be there. And the number one, I know we hit this last week, but it's coming up again. The number one, and hopefully you can get to that point in your life, that when somebody offends you or somebody hurts you, let it slide off. Don't give it a second thought or a third or a fourth. In other words, somebody hurts you, yes, we're humans, yes, it's painful, but take a minute before you react and say, if I choose love, My faith is working. If I choose vengeance, everything I've been working on stops working. Because God will never, listen to me, operate to a covenant person. Now, he'll do things for people that aren't out of covenant. That's his business. He'll do miracles for people that don't believe in him. But a covenant people, it's a whole different agreement. His expectation is not to be God. He said, yes, Pastor, you know, but God can love because he doesn't live down here. God is not even married. That's why he can love. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in everything. I don't know how that works in the 21st century, but any temptations that we receive today, there was a form of that in the life and ministry of Jesus, and he chose God over that. Remember him on the cross, his last few words? Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're... I mean, this is, you know, this is getting to the place. Now, that's Jesus, yes, but he's talking as a man. Jesus was the Son of God, but all his natural development was on purpose through the influence of God, because guess what? He's still flesh. Because his mom, was human. Are you talking with it? So Jesus is not operating, because some, some people play it off like, well, Jesus was God, he, you know, he, had a, you know, he could just, no, no, no. If Jesus did anything in his earthly ministry slowly on the purpose as God, it doesn't help us. Now, there are some things he did as God, don't misunderstand me, but I'm saying his walk was not half God, half man. His walk was all God, all man. But the all man part is what we can connect to. So here's my very, very easy point. If Jesus has the capacity to forgive, guess what? He gave you the capacity now if you want to use it or don't use it that's up to you because now we go back to the measure of faith right you want your faith to grow you learn to forgive Well I can't I want to learn about faith no you've got to learn about love because we already established faith doesn't work without love And the biggest the biggest opposition you have to your faith is fear And love casts out fear so you know you're going to have to make a decision pretty soon I really need to decide if I'm going to be able you know I need to move into space. and you can do it you know Offense is never going to stop. People are going to hurt your feelings. You're probably going to hurt somebody's feelings. People are going to talk trash about you on Facebook or whatever. Here's the thing. The choices you make regarding where you're going with all this experience that we call Christianity. Because where I'm going, and I've been on it for almost 30 years, and I'm going to stay on it, I'm not going anywhere, is to see the peace of God in my family, to see the peace of God that we live in, even in difficult, difficult circumstances that we navigate through. The peace of God doesn't leave. And I'm learning. I'm learning with you. I'm living more and more to enjoy every single moment of my life. And I do. I'm enjoyed, you know, to the max. Because every moment is the God moment. And every moment demands the love walk. You know, you, you can't pick and choose the love walk. You can't. Somebody hurt your feelings. You've got to go on auto and say, I, for, I release you. Well, you're this, this, this. this. Yeah, I, I forgive you too. You know, you can't hurt dead people. What's that supposed to mean? Well, the Bible says you're supposed to crucify your flesh. You're supposed to die daily. That's what the Bible says. Yes. All right. 1 John 4, 8, I already said it. He, I'm going to read again in, in the context of everything I told you, who does not love does not know God. Period. So you can tell me you're all spiritual, but unless you're practicing love, and releasing forgiveness and compassion and all these things that love carries, you really don't know God. You know religion. Well, that means I'm not saved? No. When you get born again, you've got to understand this. Let me help you, some of your newer people, because maybe it seems like the standard is too high. It's not. When you give your life to Jesus, guess what happens? You change your address. That's basically it. Instead of going to hell, you're going to heaven. But all the garbage from the earth, you still have it on you. Your mean character, your unforgiveness, all oh, that's there. You're just born again now. In other words, God is not trying to clean the fish before he catches them. He takes you dirty and stinky and filthy, and he says, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then through the washing of the word, he begins to change you, renew you, adjust this, adjust that, and you're not going to get it right in one service, and you're not going to get it right in one year. You just keep treading and treading and pounding and doing it, and pretty soon it starts to become 7 I I couldn't, you know, 15 years ago, I couldn't do what I'm preaching to you. Stuff stayed with me a long time, a long time, until I felt that I was vindicated. I didn't let go of whatever offense I perceived I had received. Amen? And then I realized, what a waste of time. Because at the end of the day, I want to be that. So now, if people hurt your feelings, let it go. Some of you need to go hear that song from Elsa all over again. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Can we do a Christian version of that? <laughs> love moved God. Love, faith works by love, love casts out fear. And here's, here's the big one. Guess where love is? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to hear that one. Love is always in the present. How can you love in the future? You yeah. can't. That is one emotion. If you want to call it an emotion, not an emotion, it's a power, it's a spiritual power, but in our case it will be like a feeling. That's one feeling that's always present. Right? You can be excited about going on a vacation. Ooh, we're going on a trip. That's in the future. Nothing wrong with that. But you can't be excited about loving. Ooh, Joe, I'm going to love you in the future. So excited about it. Next week, I'll love you, Joe. You see, I'm, just, I'm not just messing, but you know how it works. Love is here. Love is now. Love is everywhere. And that is, so why, by saying that, guess what? When you choose to walk in this kind of love, I'm not talking about I love hamburgers. I'm talking about that love. I'm talking about this love that has the capacity to release people that have hurt you. Guess what? You're walking with God. You're walking not only with God, you're walking where God walks. Now your faith is really in a place where everything you say that's according to the word is going to come to mass because there is nothing contaminating the seed. In other words, the seed went through all this stuff, right? And I haven't even addressed this stuff specifically, but you see it there. It's all flesh and all issues a lot of them, of not living in your present. Because fear is always somewhere else except in your present, right? It's—it's it's, All these things in verse 19, you know, every one of them, could, we could break them out, but that's not the point. Okay, number two, and I want to I close, well, I'm going to try to close with this. That doesn't mean you're getting leaving anytime soon. That's just a statement. Surrender. Everybody say surrender. Last week we, we sang some songs about Surrender. And I told Al, I said, I want to sing a song about surrender. And it wasn't specific, but the last song I sent it to him because it really is about understanding this one thing. Before we talk about surrender, I put my little example up there. I'm going to talk about a little situation I got myself in a while back. Surrender, what it's not, it's not giving up. Remember that. Because this word nobody likes it. Surrender. I don't want to surrender. I want to win. Well, there's no win unless you surrender to the right things. So, surrender is not, how can I put it, giving up or accepting things the way they are. That's not what surrender means. So the reason I use this example, and I'll give you, this is a true story, and not once, many times has happened in my line of work, many times happened to you. The last one was, a while back, like a month ago, I was moving a bunch of pipe in my truck, and it had rain, of course, and I'm always by myself, and I have a big work truck, but it's not 4x4. Four, four four. So I ended up, and I had a bunch of pipe on it, and I ended up getting stuck in the mud by myself at 2 o'clock, and it was like 95 degrees by then. So I have a lot of choices to make, right? I can sit there and cry. Truck's still stuck. I can beat the dash, kick the truck, <laughs> you stupid truck. Truck's still stuck. I can do a lot of things, or I can just surrender. Oh, my life is horrible. This is, I guess, this is my destiny. Or I can accept my present condition. I can surrender. Pay attention now because I'm teaching you something. I can surrender to my present condition, and now I'm in a position to resolve it. Unless I surrender to my present circumstance, I'm not in any position to fix anything. By surrendering, everything starts leaning into the fix. By whining and moaning and crying and wishing my life was better, it's not going to get me out of the mud. Amen? Well, obviously I got out of the mud, I'm here. But the principle is the same. This idea of surrender, let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Proverbs three five says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then what's that next thing right there? Don't lean. Don't lean... On your understanding. Okay, what's the definition of lean? Very simple, right? You're tilting in a direction. You know? So you have a... Let's keep it slow and easy here. So you have a situation. Remember, your life is not your life situations, but you have a situation. Whatever that may be. So now you're looking at the situation and you have choices to make, right? Do I trust in the Lord with all my... For teaching purposes, spirit? Or do I trust the Lord with my own understanding? And that's what a lot of, that's what I remember tell you, the Christians, the devil is not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is them. Because we fight more with God. Because God always, God is really simple about things. I mean, every scripture, there's like, there's not a lot of vague stuff in the Bible. Forgive, is that vague? Give, is that vague? I wonder what gives me. It's not vague at all. And here's what we all do. I do it all the time, church. And I have to catch myself because I am not here yet. I'll be honest with you. I'm not here yet. Because I have a tendency, which I feel in good company this morning, that every time a situation arises, before we do anything else, we lean into our own understanding. In other words, we bring it to the natural realm. Remember, we're talking about spirit, flesh, mind, all these things. Okay, so when I lean into my own understanding, that means I need to fix it. That means I'm not surrendered. Surrender is learning that first little word right there, trust. Trust. The pastor, you don't understand the circumstances? I know, I, I can't fix it, you can't fix it, so why don't we just trust? This is the beauty of impossible situations in your life. That might sound like an oxymoron, but it's not. Here's the beauty of your impossible situations. The beauty of your impossible situation it's that it's impossible. Once you resolve it's impossible, complete. I'm talking. There's not one possibility in the natural to fix it. Once you get there, you are free. Come on, people! I'm setting you free this morning. You don't raise your hand you be right now, and say, Pastor, I'm facing an impossible situation. Okay, is it impossible? Are you sure? There's no, not one thing you can do to make it better. Not one thing. You can't call somebody. You can't repent. You can't tell somebody you're sorry. You can't throw enough money at it to fix it. It's become impossible. That means it has moved out of your sphere of influence completely and has moved into the sphere of influence of God. That's the beauty of your impossible. But that's the beauty of understanding the now. Because my impossibles are yelling to me about the future, right? You're going to go broke. You're going to die. They're going to do this. Da, 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 da. It's all future stuff. No, Lord, I, I look at. I have such. We have things in our life. Our family has is dealing with things in our life right now that are in the impossible, and we are perfectly fine with it because it's out of our hands. Now, there's a lot of things we can do in the possible. We're doing every one of them and more. But, we, but at the end of all this, it's up to him, right? So when you understand surrender, surrender is that. I could just sit there in my truck and go, Oh my God, I'm stuck in the mud. I'm never going to get out. Or I can surrender to the situation. And now, my, once I give in, once I give into it, guess what? My understanding clears up. Because what's happening is you resist and you resist and you resist surrender all the time. You don't even understand what surrender is. Oh, I surrender. No, that's... There was a song that a certain individual in my family ruined for the rest of my life. I'll never be able to hear it again. I'm not going to say who he is. But they were singing the song Surrender by Hillsong, but they changed it for Chicken tenders. (laughs) Some of you will never hear that song again. I just read it. I'm not even going to try to sing it, but it was like, you just ruined that song forever. Instead of I surrender, they would say chicken tenders. <laughs> Told you it was going to be a weird service. Give me the next one, RJ. We've got to go <laughs> before I get tomatoes thrown at me here. Surrender. Let's, let's, let's define it. Because I'm trying to help you this morning. Those are two, I want you to, two things we're learning this morning. Love and surrender. Yielding to rather than opposing the flow of life. That's surrender. Life's going to come, and by the way, if you didn't get the memo, Jesus sent it to you in the Bible. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. So stop acting like tribulation is this... Oh, I just don't, nobody likes to tribulate. Nobody likes to go to trouble, but the fact of the matter, that's life. But don't fear, I have overcome the world. That's where we are, because the, the, when Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulations, you know, I grew up Baptist, and I grew up with some really hardcore Baptists. It seems like that every message would stop there. You get that? You guys were Baptists, right? We've been delivered nuts. No, I, mean, I love my Baptist heritage. Don't misunderstand me. Love it. But it was like every message would stop. In the world, you'll have tribulations. That little bony finger will get in. And everybody's like shaking. But they never finished it. He said, but don't fear. Boom, right there. I have overcome the world. So yeah, you're going to go through trouble here, but there's a spiritual realm. This is your natural world, trouble, spiritual realm, overcoming. You see, we have a weird idea of what overcoming means. Overcoming means, you guys think that overcoming means winning everything in this natural world? That's not what overcoming, overcoming means winning everything in the spirit realm. (laughs) That's where it's at. Because whatever happens in the spirit realm will manifest in the natural realm. Your fight is not here. Your fight is not with flesh and blood. Amen. Amen. And stop, stop trying to fight fights that you're not supposed to fight. Hello. Surrender means yielding rather than to opposing the flow of life. We have that tendency. We've been trained, maybe by our parents or by society, that anything that comes back, we got to oppose Oh, oh Jesus, how are you doing? Oh, my life is just miserable. Oh, my life is bad. You see, I have a version of my life that I can make you really depressed. But I don't, I don't live in that version. I live in the version that God gave me. I live by faith. Because, you know, the goal of this, what was it? The just shall live by faith, right? All right. The only place you can experience the flow of life is where? In the present. So to surrender, this is a of my notes. So to surrender is to accept the present moment unconditionally and without reservation. It is to lay down our resistance to what is, and this is the very first step to casting care. Because we you know that scripture, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will have, you know, he'll take care of you. That's a beautiful scripture. But do we really know how to cast that care? Do we really know how to get that negativity out of our mind and that information that just pounds us? Do we, we, you know, we don't teach on that. We just say, just cast your cares. That's wonderful, but how, Pastor? Well, I really don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you just take a thought and throw it. It's still there in my head. It still tells me that you know, my life is miserable. I can't just cast it. No, but when the revelation of love comes in and the revelation of surrender comes in, now you're in a perfect place Cast whatever, because what did I tell you a few minutes ago? The only reason you will have a care or a worry, pay attention to this, is because you've deemed it as an impossible in your life. Yes? That's the only reason it's there. Somewhere in your psyche, you deemed that as an impossible. It might not be impossible. It might be, you know, it might get fixed with a hundred bucks, but in your head, it's been deemed as Impossible. And that's the fear attached to it. Because you called it impossible, boom, fear hits it. like cancer. That fear gets into your head. and you, How many have been there? I've been there. Where fear is all you heard? Where every breathing moment you feel the pressure of Satan on your life? I've been there. Not, come on, I'm not going to tell you those stories, but I've been there. And you get to the point where you finally surrender and say, You know what, Lord? If you can't fix it, you don't need to fix it. And if it don't need fixing, I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm done. If it's deemed impossible, then it's on your plate. If it's possible, it's on my plate. Show me what to do, And he'll show you. You say, You need to go talk to that person. You need to pray a little more. You need to get in, in, in you know, he might take you to the words that you need to go over here in this scripture and spend a couple days, right? Just, just a couple scriptures. Not read the whole Bible, just a couple scriptures. It's just amazing how God opens up when we decide to surrender is not, it has such a negative, you know, carries so much negativity. Most people don't want to have that surrender, you know. No, it's not raising your hands in defeat. It's surrendering to the natural circumstances and situations. In other words, surrendering to the ability of things to produce fear in your life. Because I surrender to God. And I've decided that whatever comes down the pipe, it doesn't really matter to me as long as I think, you know, as I as long as I know that I'm doing what I need to do. And that is, a, I'm telling you people, that is a place of peace. It really is. So, casting your cares begins with yielding, other than opposing. And, and trust me on this one. This week, if you got stuff going on in your life, have you been just trying to fight it instead of? The pastor, you understand? I don't, don't want to yield to what the doctor said. It's not what yielding to what the doctor says. Yielding to what the doctor says, you're accepting what the doctor says. That doesn't mean you're in sin. You know, the doctor says, gives you information. The doctor's a scientist. And he's doing the best he can with information he has at hand. That shouldn't be a reason to... Well, the doctor said, I want to die. Well, you're going to heaven before me. Perspective, right? Save me a spot. I mean... It, if death loses its grip over you, then what else? Once you lose fear of death, the devil's done. Because that's in Hebrews, it says that he controlled everybody through fear of death. Once you're, once you're done with, you know, being afraid of dying, you're there. Because that's also up way up in the future. Well, I'm just scared of dying. Well, just die today and you're done with it. I'm, I'm talking like in your mind. Not physically. Come on, don't be stupid. do go like, ooh. Okay, let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. I don't know why I'm in this thing, but somebody needs to hear this so bad. If, if you got news that you were going to die 10 years down the road, for whatever reason, how would you live your life? Okay. If you got news that you were going to die tomorrow, how would you live your life? Because guess what? Everyone in this building is already dead. That's not negative. Unless you know something I don't. Every human ceases to exist at some point. I said, you like, that's so sad, Pastor. No, that's just science. <laughs> so I'm not worried about that because when I leave here, to leave here is to be present with the Lord. That resolves the death issue. So it doesn't matter. I want to live my day like it's my last day today and and my last day tomorrow and my last day tomorrow and my last day tomorrow for the next 120 years. Because that death shouldn't be an issue. You need to resolve these things, people. You need to spend some time with yourself and say, okay, that's not an issue. So I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to do what I got. Yeah, I'm going to try to live 120. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. But that's not going to be an issue in my life. Because I don't live... And that's what God is trying to understand about surrender. Surrender is yielding, yielding to presence, yielding to the present, yielding to knowing that God's got you. Faith does that. The more you practice faith, it comes. So faith comes by hearing, and faith causes a knowing, but not in your head. It causes a knowing in your spirit. And that's where, you ready for this one? I pray this all the time when I close. It says, and the peace of God. Ready? That passes all understanding. Oh, here we are now, right? So what have we been talking about for four weeks? A piece of God that passes your mental constructs. A piece of God that passes your preconceived ideas of what's going to happen and not going to happen. A mental construct, you know, a piece that passes opposing God's move, opposing what God has already told you. You've got to settle down. If God told you, I'm going to give you one scripture that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, not till the end of the world. You know how many no's are in that scripture? That's probably not even good English. But what he's trying to, he's driving that thing. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. Can you believe it? That's all he's saying. But Pastor, you understand I'm dealing, even if you're dealing with your own personal issues, he's still there with you. And he's helping you, and he's helping you navigate. Church, listen to me, not one of us in this room has got it down. I'm, I'm learning along with you guys on this thing. Amen? All right, let's, let's finish it up. So, what does it mean to surrender? And we'll finish with this. Give me the, the next one, I think. Yeah. Uh, you can skip that one. Yeah, let's, let's try to wrap it up with this. What does it mean to surrender? These are my closing notes. To accept the moment unconditionally. Whatever comes, you accept it. Bad, good, ugly, whatever. Whatever. You 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 live it, and you navigate yourself through it with God on your side. In other words, you accept the moment in full surrender to it. In full surrender to God. You're not burying yourself. You're not rolling up and dying. You're saying, "Okay, it is what it is. Let's deal with it." Giving up your right. You're gonna like this one to always be right. We do that with our family. We do that with our spouses. We do it with our kids but guess who we do it with a lot? God. <laughs> Y'all don't believe that, right? We don't do it with God? You do it all the time with God. Boy, I got hundred scriptures I could prove it to you, but I'm not because then you'll get mad and won't want to come back to church. So. Surrender is not accepting defeat, but yielding to direction. God cannot speak to you if you still think you got it all. I'm talking about a situation, you know. That's actually a bit of... Because bit this, this idea, the previous idea, we do it all the time, that's what I'm saying. You know, giving up your right to always be right. How many times have we had a conversation with God and we're trying to convince him of our position? Huh? No, never? You guys must be way more spiritual than me, man, because the time I hear the Lord the clearest is when he got to straighten me out, Gabby. I'm saying I can hear... You know you what? Know, it's amazing. Let me tell you my relationship with the Lord. When it's on the good side, it's a presence. It's just like... Oh. But when he speaks, it's usually like, Hey, venpaka. Yes, sir. And that's what he's doing. You know, we have to understand some of these things. God loves you. If you had a, fa- a father that loved you in the natural, that father loved you when he had to discipline you, he loved you just the same as when he bought you all the toys. Right? The discipline of God is not pain. You know what what the discipline of God is? Letting us on our own. That's hard enough. That's, you know, I remember H. You said this is one of my favorite H.H. sayings. Your life is your own punishment. (laughs) Right? I mean, as soon as we don't surrender, we have a tendency to mess this whole thing up. But surrender is this one place. So to accept the moment unconditionally, giving up your right to always be right. In other words, when God says something, don't argue. But, no, Lord, I'm right. She's wrong. God says, you need to go ask her for forgiveness. Are you kidding me? That's your right. You're not surrendering. What I just shared with you is a personal story. That happened to my wife and I. You know, we had this big old fight one day. Not like you guys never fight. And I was in my room and I was mad. And I'm like, God, you need to change her. Ah. We we're still living here in Heavenville over there by, by the store. And I remember I turned on the TV. I was mad. And Creflo Dollar comes on. And he said, you don't think God will mess with you? I am literally had this fight. Five minutes. What fight is... Well, for Mexican men, it's an argument. For Mexican women, it's a fight. All right? (laughs) So, after I got out of the argument, which he was fighting in, I turn on the... This whole thing is about five minutes. I'm... You know? And I turn on the TV... I didn't pick TBN or nothing, it just came on. And this is exactly what happened. You talk about creep out. And Craffler points to the and says, you want your wife to change? You need a change. I'm like, turn that thing off. Oh, Jesus. What is this? That is a true story. You talk about, what are the chances of that happening? That was a coincidence, whatever. I thought lightning was going to hit me next. I'm like, it's over. Open the doors, Peter. It's true. You see, that kind of stuff happens in a real relationship with God because God loves you when you're mad. God loves you when you're upset. God loves you when you're having a good day, a bad day. God loves you when you're blue, you're green, you're purple, whatever. He loves you all the time. The problem is we need to accept that. And guess the last thing I'm going to say, and we need to surrender to that. You've got to surrender, church. Go ahead and stand with me. You've got to surrender to the fact that God loves you. That is the biggest surrender this morning. And I want you to do something this morning with me. Let me finish my notes here. Surrender is not accepting defeat, but yielding to direction. Resignation is not surrender. We don't quit things. Surrender is perfectly compatible with taking action, initiating change, and achieving goals. So don't ever think surrender is a, a, a form of giving up. And what, I, what the Lord instructed me to do, you know, to pray for you, is that hopefully this morning you begin to see that faith works in the now. That the now is a place of presence. The now is a place where God wants to inhabit your now. He wants to inhabit your present. And he wants to fill it with his presence. So in that context, it's really easy to forgive. It's really easy to move away from things from your past and even fears from your future because faith is now, so let's create every day. Let's let's work, you know, diligently to make sure our soil is good for the for the seed of the word. And if you have any odd in your heart this morning, or if the word of God has stirred you, and I know some of our prayers seem very very the same, but I just believe God is taking this whole. Series and just little by little, Sunday to Sunday, heal one thing in somebody, heal something in somebody else, bring something else. You know, it's it's really been a process. I see it in the last few weeks of how God is just ministering and ministering to us. So this is your, you know, this is where we're at. Don't let anybody analyze you. You Do your own self-analysis. Where is the area? Where is the, we're honest, you know, overused phrase, honest to God, but in the right context. Honest to God. What are the areas you haven't surrendered? Maybe you haven't surrendered your right to forgive people, your right to be offended. Maybe there's other areas that the Lord's already dealt with you. He you He doesn't love you any less. He's just saying, you need to give it up. You're dealing with addictions of any kind. You know where it starts? It doesn't start by trying not to do it. It starts by surrendering it. Placing it all Front of Jesus. Father, we just come once again this morning. Wow, your presence is so sweet in this room. You all sense that? Just a sweet, sweet presence of Jesus. That's love. What What you sense is his love. You know, he's he's trying to move you into that place where you and him just hang out. That really is what it comes down to. Live in your present. Live in his presence. Live in the now. But this morning, I want you just to lay all this stuff at his feet. Father, we just place it all. Every one of us can have a series of things that we know need to move. But at the end of the day, Lord, what we do want to do is be effective for you, Jesus. You've given us so much. You've helped us so much. You've taken a life that was broken and messed up, Lord. And for that, I'm eternally grateful to you. But in this house and in this presence, and Father, I pray that this transfers to our online audience. I pray that this presence transfers. That today, in the name of Jesus, we surrender. We give up the fight with our own selves. We give up the fight with our own mind. We give up the fight with our own circumstances and we lay it all at the feet of Jesus. This is what casting care looks like. Mm. Can you walk out of this church and leave all that stuff here? Can you, you know, in this time of prayer, can you lay these things like, you know, in your mind, say, "I'm, I'm leaving them at the altar. I'm not taking them, not even back to my car. And really begin to experience this this newness and freshness. Yes, we're believers. We we made a choice to accept Christ. And if you haven't done it, just do it now. Just say, Jesus, I need you. That's about as deep as it gets. Really, you can just say, Jesus, I need you, and you're born again. If you mean it, anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But once that is done with, we still got all this worldly mess in us, and this is where all this comes to play. That we have the faith of the now. That we have this place where his presence, his word is active Moving, adjusting, even things that you don't understand. It's moving. It's working because it's alive. We've got to get comfortable with that. So, Father, the last thing I pray this morning, that every one of them that is laying things down before you this morning, every one of them that says, you know, I'm tired of this in my life. I'm tired of this negativity. I'm tired of always fighting with everybody. I'm tired of just carrying unforgiveness and anger. I'm tired of being bitter. Lay it down. Now, in Jesus' name. You know, the Lord really instructed me not to have an altar. I was going to have an altar, but I said, no, they need to do it right there. Just lay it down. Walk out of here with a real experience, not a sermon, my God. We've had way too many sermons already. We need experiences of presence. We need experiences of understanding who we are. In the places that it counts, in the places that it matters. So, Father, I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice today walks out of this house with a with a understanding of what love is, with an understanding of what surrender is. And as we lay these areas of our life that we give you control over, that we've lost control. And I want to say this under the Spirit of God. Listen to it very carefully, because I don't want it to be taint. Took a wrong way. Well, I can't help you. If you take it the wrong way, I'm just saying I'm, I'm clearing it up. But when you begin to understand presence, everything moves into it. You know, we struggle with giving. We struggle with tithing. We struggle. That's okay. We're humans. Don't don't feel bad about that. But, but the move is that way. It's like, Lord, we trust you. That's where, you know, really, you know, it's funny how people say you got to tithe. No, no, no. You can't even ask a person to tithe unless they learn what trust is. You know, that's why I don't major a lot. I believe in tithing. I tithe, but you can't say, you're supposed to tithe. No, you're supposed to trust first. But part of that trust is learning to trust God in that arena. I just had to say that. Some of you, you know, you just need to look at that. I'm not asking you to do anything different today. You just need to look at that. And wherever you are in that area, just push the limit a little bit. Push the limit a little bit. Push the limit a little bit. A little little here, a little there. And pretty soon, you begin to see the hand. You begin to see the prosperity. You begin to see how this works. You see how it's amazing because that seed always comes to harvest. So, Father, we close this prayer time in your presence. We leave these things at your feet. And we make a choice, God, to live today, every day, with you in full surrender and walking in love with everyone around us. Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Give the Lord a big praise. Amen. Well, did you get something out of that? It's amazing when you prepare a sermon and then you preach it, and it's so much better when you preach it. Because when you're preparing it, you're like, eh. I mean, you get a lot of stuff, but it's just so good when it comes out under the anointing. Okay, real quick. Um, So, just a quick update. Uh, obviously, you, you've heard the The situation with Ukraine, I really don't know any specifics of how to move this thing. Not right now with the current situation. Oksan and Tolik, some of you met Oksan and Tolik. Well, Dimas was here. Dimas, they were here a couple years ago. Um, That's a church we work with the most. Andre in Kiev, he's a good friend, good brother. Um, But really, the the pull is more in the western side of Ukraine. So anywhere I'm going with this, if you felt led to do something in that arena, we had ways of sending money before the invasion. So I'm not sure how it works right now. But nonetheless, we're going to open that fund. And anything that gets place in that fund will get eventually, like I say, eventually, because I'm not sure what the process is right now. If it's still the same as it was, it's not that big deal. I, 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 can, I transfer money just like I transfer money to Mexico. I transfer money to Ukraine. With the situation with Russia, I don't know. But the fund will be open, and you guys you know, do as the Lord leads, and, and that money will go to Ukraine. That money will go to the Ukrainian people through Dimas and his ministry. There's a very outreach church right now, Chernivtsi which is on the western side of Ukraine. I, I just spoke with Oksana this morning. Um, and uh, I'll just read her text. They are dealing with a huge humanitarian crisis. And that's where our help's going to help. Because this church is like that. They, their church is an amazing church. They're, you know, they're like us. You know they, they reach out. They work. They, they see situations. So, um, you know, I, I want to let you guys know that that's going on. Also, you know, our Cuba account is, you know, we're already headed... At the end of March, we're going to go uh, to Cuba, and you all's know, excited. We are excited. I'm excited because that's back online. It looked like it wasn't going to happen, but it's back online. We got the tickets, got the visas, got everything moving. And then, of course, in the summer, the team of ladies is going over there. So again, if maybe, you know, because this is this is what partnership does. You see, God doesn't talk to everybody about the same thing. God uses a church like ours. And this church has always been amazing in this, really, guys. That's why I don't have to... I I really don't spend a lot of time teaching. You know, you you go to some churches, maybe you've experienced that. You know, they'll take like an hour to pick up an offering. That's fine, you know, whatever they need to do. They they spend a lot of time. And I I really don't, because you guys get it. Uh, Meaning that your money, obviously, is the key to your prosperity, yes. But your money is changing lives in so many places, you know. You know, indirectly, we've blessed the Navajo Nation, you know, with Elson and our church in Mexico. You guys keep... There's a church... Having service today because you guys pay for half of their rent, you know. Um, and then Ukraine. So you think about your impact. You say, wow, you know, I'm in a little town in Heavenville that I could put ten dollars, you know, and send it across the ocean and, and bless somebody. So those kind of things I want you to think about. God calls us. And so I say, well, you know, when I say, I don't like to use the word heavy. That's not a good word. It's heavy on my heart. Don't use that word. It's, it's God's speaking to your heart. It's not heavy, it's a presence. That maybe Cuba's something that doesn't leave your mind. You're like always thinking about Cuba. You like Cuba. Well, that's God telling you this is where I want you. I want you to support this, you know. Maybe you're really, you know, seeing the Ukraine situation and it's really getting, you know, maybe God's saying... Because, you know, a lot of the ways that God directs us to give, pay attention, it's called compassion. It's called compassion. It's called generosity. It's not called demand. Oh, y'all need to give an offering. That's cold. Compassion moves it, Right? So, when you watch the news and you just start weeping over Ukraine, God's tugging at your heart. When you see something that happened in Cuba, before you could have cared less, now it tugs at your heart. God's saying, Compassion. Amen? So, just, you know, learn, learn these things. This is all part of the same thing. So, again, thank you guys for all your support. You know, this church, really, for the size of the church, it's amazing. And by the way, we have a lot of online partners that are watching me. Thank you guys for your partnership. Thank you for everything y'all do. Um, We got people up in the northwest, people in Arizona, people in New Mexico. We got partners on the Navajo Nation, and and, you know, we love you guys. So we have, you know, other people that are partnered with us. But anyhow, that's that's where we're at. There's the information, and you all know what to do. Amen. Let's all stand, and I'll get you out of here. Father, we just thank you this morning, once again, sir. We thank you for where the word has taken us. We take.